Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Andrew Krauss. I'm one of the co-founders here at InventRight. Stephen Keys, our other co-founder. And together, along with our amazing coaches, we've been coaching and mentoring inventors to license their products for the last 23 years. Yes, that's over two decades. If um, just a few of you or all of you, at, at least a minute until I let you know, can type in yes, that you can hear me, that would be great. Just want to make sure we have good audio. I don't want to be talking to myself for, for a long time here. Um, okay, great. You guys can hear me. Great. I, you guys don't need to type in anymore. Thank you. Thank you. Now, there's always a delay, so it takes a little while. People keep typing in yes. Um, so my name is Andrew Kraus. Um, I'm one of the co-founders here at InventRight. And what do we do? We do licensing. What's great about licensing? Well, you don't need to start a business. You don't need to raise money. Quite often, you don't need a patent. You just need a provisional patent. Quite often, you don't need a prototype. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. A lot of times, you just do a virtual prototype. Don't need a company. Don't need distribution. Because when you license to a big company, it's their money. It's their workforce and it's their distribution. Keep your day job or your business or whatever it is you're doing. And you can think big, you can dream big because these companies are big. And if you license your product to a big company that's 500 products, you know, and they have distribution, 30,000 stores, they're gonna do big because that's what they do. If you try to do it on your own, I'll try to sell it on Amazon. I'll try to get it in a store as well. Guess what? Retail stores don't want a one SKU, one product company. They don't want to deal with you. Now, I'm not saying that some people haven't done it, but it is freaking brutal and it takes a lot, a lot of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars at the very least to try to get distribution at retail. It's not something you're going to do with a few bucks. And so with licensing, you don't need to. So that's great. Um, uh, well, thank you, Mike. I, I'm a rock star and I got two smiley faces with sunglasses. I'm feeling very special there. Um, so let's let's jump in. Um, today's theme is mistakes inventors make. So I'm going to answer a few of your guys' questions and uh, kind of put it in the context and talk about uh, mistakes inventors make. Um, let's talk about the first mistake, which is based on what I was just talking about. Um, People think, well, I have an idea, so I need to make it and sell it. And they don't even know licensing is an option. So they think, well, I got to start a business. I have to manufacture it. And sometimes they don't even think about the path they're going down. And they just start like, well, I need an injection mold. So I'll get an injection mold. It's like, okay, um, I need to get 500 made in China, you know, and then I'll bring it over here and then I'll just start selling it, you know. Um, People start, so this is the mistake, because that's our theme today, the mistakes inventors make. They start going down a path without knowing where that path is leading them. They get a false sense of moving forward by spending money on patents or, or prototypes or manufacturing a few units or this or that. And that is truly a mistake. You should always know the path you're going to walk down. So what are the paths? There's our path here at InventRight which is the licensing path, okay? And then there is the venturing path. Venturing is just a fancy way of saying, make it and sell it yourself, okay? Um, and a lot of people don't realize there's a licensing path. They think that's the only path they can take. The most common mistake though, is not even before both those two paths, everybody thinks the first thing I do is to file a patent. And that is not the first thing you do, ever. When you come up with an idea, should you go to an attorney right away? And everything I share with you today should not be considered legal advice. Please consult your attorney if you're looking for legal advice. That's my little disclaimer. Um, and get a patent just because, well, well, you know, and here's the, here's the problem. Your friends and family, if they think it's a good idea, quite often what they'll say, which is terrible advice, but you should take it as a great compliment, is, oh, that's a great, great idea. You better get a patent on it. In other words, their mindset is, oh, you better protect yourself because it's such a great idea. Somebody's going to steal it, which is not true. Okay. First of all, the thought that people are running around stealing ideas is not true. I'm not saying nobody ever stole an idea. I'm not saying that never happens. Um, not even saying companies never do that. I'm not saying that. But what they really mean and what you should take is it's terrible advice. It's horrendous advice. It's the worst advice you could possibly get to have an idea and get a patent right away. You have to study the marketplace. And nine times out of 10, when you study the marketplace, you're gonna change something about the product. 
right? So if you spend 10,000 on a patent, instead of $60 on a provisional patent, you're gonna spend another 10,000 when you realize you need to change something, when you start reaching out to companies and you need to make a change, that's craziness. But if you spend $60 on a provisional patent, and then you realize, oh, I gotta change something, you could file another provisional and add that change. That's pretty practical from a cost standpoint. And just a, it's just smart. Um, another random like problem that people have is these invention promotion companies scam inventors all the time, and they lead people down to the wrong conclusions that they know they will the average person will typically come to. So they're like, oh, yeah, we can sell your invention for you. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. It's a great idea. It could be a lump of coal. It's, they tell you it's great. And they're going to reach out to industry, whatever that means. Um, but they say, well, we're going to do a patent search for you. So then they pay some patent searcher to do some half-assed search. Maybe they come back and they go, oh, it looks good. Now, there's where the inventor, the mistake they make. Oh, well, I did a patent search. That's not a problem. So therefore, it's a good idea. So therefore, these are all the conclusions. Therefore, it's marketable. Therefore, it makes sense. Just because you did a patent search that was half-assed, even if it was a good one and you didn't find anything, doesn't mean the product makes sense. Doesn't mean it's marketable. Doesn't mean it's manufacturable reasonable price. It means none of these things. But in the inventor's head, I did a patent search. It's a validation. My idea is good. And it's not. It's not remotely a validation. Your idea is good. So there's all sorts of ways that invention promotion companies manipulate inventors to getting 10 or 12 grand out of them. I've, I've never met an inventor ever in 23 years been doing invent right in 14 years i did my inventors association in silicon valley that ever licensed a product with an invention promotion company now if you look at our website and you look if you go to inventright.com here i'll type our website here inventright.com and you click on inventions for sale you're going to see a bunch of our students products that are currently on the market you could buy today okay it's not rocket science. They actually reached out to companies. They didn't spam a few companies like invention promotion companies. They actually reached out to companies, not two or three, but quite often in most instances, 20 or 30. That's what you guys are going to need to do if you're going to license. Now, we have a new program. I wanted to, I wanted to paste this in here. So it's our $29 program, and I wanted to let you guys know about that. That's a really cool program. You're going to have an endless list of questions. If you go to this page that I just sent you through the chat, you can take a look at that. It's only $29 a month and it has all these trainings. You know, I know you know us as doing coaching and we coach and mentor inventors, but we have this program now. So definitely, definitely check that out. So um, uh, Mike said, let's jump to some questions here. How does someone get a manufacturer to add an improvement clause if they only have an NDA? Well, I don't know, Mike, I don't know what, it, it, you, an improvement clause is basically, it, usually you're not gonna get a company to sign that, but, um, cause that's gonna freak them out. But once they know your idea, they might. An improvements clause is something you're typically gonna add to a non-disclosure agreement for a vendor, like a um, graphic designer or an engineer. And what it says is, whatever I send you, like, let's say this is my, um, I don't know. This is my this this new unique pen. Okay, well let's see. I don't know what this dongle's for. This new unique dongle, right? This is my invention. Any and so you're where I'm working with you as an engineer or a graphic designer. This is my invention. I own this and any improvements you come up with. So that's an improvements clause that says that you own any improvements. Now that freaks companies out. Now, it shouldn't freak out an engineer or a graphic designer because they're just doing some graphic designer and engineering work for you. And hell yeah, you should own any improvements. So it's a normal thing to include. And none of this is legal advice, guys, in an NDA with a contractor. But if, if a company is doing, um, let's say they're doing, well, let's say this new product we have here, uh, it's a vegetable peeler. It's a cute little vegetable peeler. And you're trying to say, well, I'm sending you my vegetable peeler. Now you filed your provisional patent on it, right? And 
and I own this vegetable peeler I'm sending you and any improvement, well, what does that mean? Like if, what if they have eight other vegetable peelers that if you come up, if you come if they come up with a vegetable peeler, now you own what they have, it freaks them out. So now, but if they see your product and we're like, oh, we're not working on something like that, they might sign an improvements clause. I, our students are not running around asking companies to sign NDAs with improvements clauses. It will freak the hell out of them. What they do is they file a provisional patent application to see if there's interest and put the stakeholder in the hand. This is my invention. They don't know what you, in, you include in that provisional, all your improvements, workarounds, and variations, okay? So Mike, you've probably heard me talking about improvements clauses, but these are the types of things we answer in that $29 a month program, you know, which is a cool new program that we have. Um, are you getting one-on-one -on -one coaching and guidance from a coach that's looking at your product? No, but there's a lot of trainings in there that will guide you through the system. Because we've been doing these Q&As for a while, and I, I think we just enough to make people dangerous, you know, a little bit sometimes. But I know you guys are always telling me you really appreciate it. Um, okay, so Alex is a good question. How do I keep check on the sales of my products so I know I'm getting paid for each unit sold? I've only had one student of ours we call our client students in 23 years saying, I know they're screwing me out of royalties. They're not paying me what they should. And he was kind of giving me justifications. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't, it sounds like, and he ditched them as a licensee actually because of it. Um, I just don't see that happening, guys. There's a lot of ways though you can keep tabs on it. First of all, in a licensing contract, you have an audit clause. So you have the right to audit them. Now, if they're off by more than 5%, they have to pay for the audit. And if they're not off by more than 5%, you need to pay for the audit, okay? But just imagine you're like, I'm gonna send an accounting firm into your company and they're gonna audit your books to see if you're screwing me. Is that something you wanna do on a regular basis? No, have I ever had one of our students ever do that to their licensee? No, have any of them found it necessary? I had one that just said, I just don't wanna work with them anymore because I, I think they're not paying me the royalties. I don't find it to be a problem. I don't think it's something I would worry about for two seconds. Do I say what I say? And do we guide our students to always have an audit clause in the contract? Are they gonna be insulted by an audit clause in the contract? No, they are not. Are they gonna be insulted if you do it? Yes, you're calling them a liar. You're saying, look, you're lying to me. I think you're screwing me. I'm going to audit your books. I mean, that's what it's saying. And I have a right to do so in the contract. Do I think it's a good idea to be in there? Yes. Do I think it's something people should be doing regularly? No. Have I ever had a student do it? No. Am I concerned about it? 23 years, students in 65 countries? No. Should you be? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Could I be more specific? Now, are there ways, I mean, our other co-founder talks about some unique ways. Stephen talks about, you know, um, and this is more practical, it's more friendly. Keep in touch with some of the salespeople at the company. Hey, I licensed this product to your company. Um, what, is there anything I can help you with, with understanding the product? So let's say you got a salesperson, you reach out to them. Hey, I licensed this product to XYZ to your company. Let me know if there's ever anything I can do to help you out with thoughts about the product. Or if you ever, people have concerns about the product and I might have a great answer for you to come back there. Um, I'm here to help, right? I would do that. Um, you're not asking them how much they're selling at that point, but then you're checking another time. Hey, you know, I just want to check back with you. I just want to remind you, I licensed this product to your company. I just want to let you know I'm here to help. How's it going? Are, are you selling many or are you struggling with it? You know, and, and so by asking different salespeople, oh yeah, that's selling like crazy. Or they're like, you know, we're really having problems and everybody in sales is like, you know, I, are, we haven't been talking about it much in the meetings or whatever. So then when you get your royalty check and it's in keeping with that and you're seeing the royalties aren't very good and you're talking to some of the salespeople and they're like, yeah, we're having problems with this one. Okay, it's matching up. Or, whoa, this is going to the moon here. And you're like, yeah, my checks are going to the moon or it's going to the moon and it's like, eh, it's kind of, the checks aren't very big. Well, what do you go to the moon? Oh, well, I sold, sold 10,000 units just last month alone, you know? So 
keeping in touch with the sales team is something. Also, highlighting that I, I had somebody recently where the company in their contract had stated that they, was, they were supposed to highlight each retailer and the sales for each retailer each quarter. And they weren't doing that. They were just giving general sales. So I really do think it's a good idea in a licensing agreement that they specify each distribution channel and how much they're selling so that you have a, otherwise you have no idea what's going on, right? So I would more be on top of it, not like being a pest and being super nosy, but just like having a concern about it and wanting to get a proper accounting and then talking to some salespeople once in a while. Maybe they'll talk to you. Maybe at some companies they won't. Salespeople will talk to anybody, um, making friends with them just to see if everything is in i'm not saying i would worry about it most of our students don't bother doing that do i think it's a good idea yeah because salesperson might be like well you know i get a lot of people telling me this about the product and it's like some sort of complaint and you're like oh well and then you get back to him well do you think this would fix it oh that would be great oh let me get back over to marketing let's see if we can fix this you know so that's just a great idea to do generally so i really love that question alex about how do you keep track of the sales? Um, um, you said, yeah, so that's that's a really a lot of great tips on keeping track of it, you know? Um, but I generally, I just haven't found it to be a problem. I think that most companies are really honest. Our other co-founder, he did, um, he, he talked about once, he did the Michael Jordan wall bolluses eons ago. And then he noticed in the grocery store, they had a, a little mini version in the cereal box and he wasn't getting paid royalties for that he just mentioned it to them it kind of fell through the cracks they're like oh i'm so sorry and they just started paying him royalties on it that's a weird little story i mean how often do they do a mini version of it for cereal that was a little a little bit of a trip but um but really i wouldn't worry about it i really really wouldn't worry about doing a deal don't worry about that but it's a legitimate question you know uh okay um, so mistakes inventors make, uh, we talked about some earlier, filing a patent too soon. And if you've already made that mistake, don't stress about it. You spent money on a patent. That's a great asset if you're able to license it. But what if you aren't? Now you just blew a bunch of money you didn't need to. Because when you file a provisional patent, you got a year to fish off the pier. You got a whole year. If you know how to license, which when a lot of you are new, you don't, you don't need a year to see if there's interest. You don't need a year. Nobody needs a year. But a lot of inventors that aren't invent right students and aren't properly guided. That's why I would check out um, that $29 a month program. I put a link in the chat where you can check that out. And then maybe it can get you guys a little bit more on track. Um, okay. Dave's asking about, it's kind of a bit of a ramble, but he's saying like he's concerned. I'm not concerned about this, Dave. Like you have a Gmail with your name in it. It says your name and then design at Gmail. But on LinkedIn, it says designs. I don't care. I mean, I don't see why that's an issue. Um, I'm not at all concerned about that. When you email somebody, they have your email. You email them. When you put your name up, it's, I mean, if you're saying the email address is improper in LinkedIn, we'll fix it. So I'm not really getting that question. If you want to clarify, Dave, I'm not really concerned about if design or designs it needs to be the right email, but I don't think that really matters. Um, but it, maybe I'm not fully getting the question. Um, oh, this is interesting. Uh, Willetta said, I got burned by a CAD graphic IC designer. I don't know what an IC designer is. Um, he had me submit drawings. Then he said, he can't do it. Now what do I do? Okay, well, I don't see how that's getting burned. Um, I think he, he said it's over his head or he doesn't want you as a client or anymore. Um, I would say if you gave him money, have him give it to you back and move on to somebody else. I don't know if that's getting burned. Um, I don't know. That's my advice there. Um, Edgar and Jess, hey, Andrew, thank you all for the knowledge you provide. I'm scheduled to begin discussing terms this week. The company wants to patent the product, but don't, but I don't want to pay any ideas on how to proceed. Yeah, this is where this is, you know, when you get in, you know, even with our coaches, we have a coach that specializes in negotiations. When you're new to this, and I see people get into negotiations and they're on their own, 
and they're not students of ours. I don't, Edgar and Jess, did you guys sign up recently? I don't remember. Please let me know. Um, and they're not getting guided. Like there's so many places to mess up a negotiation. The biggest place that I'll share with you guys that you could mess up a negotiation is the massive misperception that they will guide you through a deal. Well, I'll just wait for them to say stuff and then I'll respond to it. If you're not at least 50% responsible for moving the deal forward by asking them as many questions as they're asking you and knowing when to kind of redirect and kind of half answer their question, take it this direction, you will not close the vast majority of deals. You'll work so hard to get to deals and then they will die because you didn't know how to move it forward. So Edgar and Jess, if you could type in if you are InventRight students or not, for some reason, I thought that maybe you guys had joined. But so the company wants the to patent the product, but you don't want to pay. I mean, what we guide our students to do, what our negotiation coach does all the time, is guides the company to get the company to pay for the patent. Now, they're not going to file it themselves. Whenever we do that, they give you the money. Quite often is advanced on royalties. That's an easier way to do it. And then you give that money to your attorney and your attorney will file a patent and then reference your provisional if you filed a provisional. Now, companies are weird. They're just like people sometimes. Well, no, 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 we don't want to pay for the patent. And then just as a random example, the then our negotiation coach will help the student get an advance and they'll just take that advance and put that towards the patent. I'm like, what's the freaking difference? People are weird. And so, you know, um, uh, Edgar and Jess said yes. So I think they're saying yes, they're a student of ours. So they're great. They're doing well. You know, you don't ask me, Edgar and Jess, if you're a student of ours, you need to call the main number and say, I need to get on with Paul. Tell your coach, email your coach, call the main number. We'll get you on with Paul right away usually the same day, and he needs to guide you as to go back and forth as a company. Do not, do not try to do this on your own. You're a student of ours. You, you need to get some guidance there. Um, okay, let's get going here. What else we got? So, um, but yeah, we, we get, we help our students negotiate getting the company to pay for the patent all the time. And by the way, when you do that, getting into the weeds a little bit, it's never under their name, guys. It's always under your name. You're, you, you, the people don't understand this. They go, they don't understand the difference between a patent and a licensing agreement. A licensing agreement is between you and the company. So they need to do certain things and you need to do certain things. And they're going to sell the product and pay you a royalty on a certain basis. And um, a patent, people like literally sometimes don't know the difference between a patent and a licensing agreement. A licensing agreement is a contract between you and the company. You're going to give them the rights to sell the pat the product, not the patent, the product, and then they're going to pay you royalties. That's the basis of it, right? And so sometimes there's a patent, sometimes there's no patent at all. Some people, go, well, how can you do that without a patent? Or we do it all the freaking time. So the company's like, I don't want to do a patent, and vendor's like, I don't want to do it either. And they're like, and you can get them to sign this contract called a licensing agreement where they are obligated to pay you and they put it in writing. So it doesn't matter if you don't have a patent or not. Now, some companies care about patents, some companies don't. Now, when they do, like in this case, they, they care about the patent. Edgar and Jess don't, but get them to pay for it, you know, as an advance on royalties. So the first, that money will come out of your royalties. So it's no money out of the inventor's pocket, but you're protecting them and yourself with a patent. It's a great way to go. So you so you could be on a limited budget with the with the with in that situation. Now you can't always get them to agree to that, but you'd be surprised how often you can, especially when they say it's important to them. Um, so today's today's theme theme when we do these Q and A's is always we have a theme as well. So mistakes inventors make. So in that case, the big mistake inventors make is to think they falsely in their head tie a patent together. I can't sell my idea. And you're not selling your idea when you're licensing it. You're renting or leasing it. But I can't license my product without a patent. Utter and complete BS. It's just not true. Now, in certain industries, they're going to insist that you have a patent, like the medical device people. 
What if it's a kitchen gadget otherwise some companies care about, some companies don't? Companies are like, yeah, we want to be able to say patent pending. It's not super important to us, but we want to be able to say that. Some are like, we don't care. And some are like, oh, no, we got to have that. We got to have that. Um, and then the other, the other mistake people make is to think you have to have a strong patent. You don't have to have a strong patent. You know, sometimes... Sometimes um, a company will say, look, if you don't get a patent, we don't want to have to pay you. And I laugh at that. You can always get a patent. You can always have a weak claim in there. The patent office is sure, you can have that. It's not going to protect you much, but you can have that. So we've had some contracts that we've helped people with, and they will do a deal, and it will say, we don't have to pay you if you don't get a patent. Throw a weak claim in there, you're guaranteed to get a patent. It won't be a strong patent. You can easily get around it. But the company was so stupid. First of all, they were stupid on being so insistent on having a patent. That's kind of stupid because it's all about first to market and it's all about you know good distribution. But they didn't say with these claims. They just said you have to get a patent. It shows they don't even understand how patents work. You know. And that's, that's not a lot of companies, and that doesn't happen often. I haven't seen that many times, but over the years, we've seen everything. So mistakes inventors make is our theme today, and that people don't understand that you can do a licensing agreement without a patent, you can do it with a patent, whatever the company is going to agree to, and you can still do a licensing agreement. And you're not, never say these things. I want to sell you my patent. I want to sell you my invention. You want to license, okay? Because a licensing agreement means that if they don't perform, you can take it back. And some people have these delusions of grandeur, like this is such a great idea that they're going to take it and they're going to license it and sit on it. And I'm like, I've never had that be a problem with any of our students because there's going to be performance clauses in the contract. If they're not doing certain things, they don't want to pay you for something they're not selling. Now, I've talked to inventors that claim they got in that situation. And I'm like, what, what, are, what are your exit clauses? They're like, what does that mean? I'm like, what does your contract say? They're like, I, I don't know. I just signed what they gave me. I'm like, what? You just signed what they gave you? Are you insane? Like, nobody does that. In 23 years, we've never had a student that got into a deal and then they got a contract. And our negotiation coach is like, that's good. Just sign it ever, ever. Okay, so that's another mistake inventors make that you should never, ever just sign a contract. And the other mistake playing upon that, oh, I'll get a licensing attorney. Oh, my God. Like if 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 every time one of our students got interest, instead of putting them on with Paul to help them guide them through the negotiation, we said, just go to a licensing attorney. They would kill 80 percent of the deals that Paul helps them close. Now, before somebody signs something. You know, risk until you sign it, right? Paul will say, look, this deal's good. This is 95% done. All these terms, you understand these terms now because I explained them to you. You need a licensing attorney to dot the I's and cross the T's before you sign. We believe in that. But don't let them talk to the company. Don't let them start fighting, trying to rack up tons of billable hours by nitpicking the deal to death on stuff that's not important. I remember once, instead of going to the licensing attorney, we recommended um, is it once? I think I've had it up a couple times. They went to an attorney of their own. And Paul was like, this deal's good. All the deal points are good. And this licensing attorney came back to the inventor and said, oh, you know, this and this and this and this needs to be fixed. And Paul looked at it and said to the student, like, I've never seen any of these things be a problem. Do you want to muck up this deal right now? You know, with, with those that nitpicky, stupid crap that we've never, ever seen be an issue in 23 years? and we explain it to the student, it's it's crazy. Sometimes attorneys will just try to get you to do things just so they can get those billable hours, right? Um, that's so messed up. So I see I don't have a thank, uh, thumbs up from everybody. If you guys, if you're enjoying this, please give me a thumbs up. Really appreciate it. And down below, click subscribe and click that notification button too. But if I could get a few more thumbs up, I'll, I'll, I'll do my arm cross until... I get some more thumbs up. There, I know there's a 30 second delay or so, so I'll just do this. And, oh, it's going up. Okay, a little bit, a little more. Please, please. I'm begging. I'm begging. I'm begging. Please, please. Okay. Oh, it's not even moving anymore. Come on. Really? 
Oh God, I think I'm going to go. Okay. See you later guys. I, no, just kidding. I'm not going to do that. All right. Bad joke. I do almost every time, but yeah, seriously, if you could help me out, that would be great. Um, Roger says, uh, very much appreciate guys. I've learned so much already from you, your guys' videos. Great. Make sure to watch a whole bunch of our videos. That, I, you know, that would be fantastic. And really, check out that new $29 program. There's a link in the chat if you page up. Um, really check that out. It's the eventwrite.com slash LMS. Um, make sure to check that out. Um, Christina, I'm, I'm new at this point. I'm not really sure where to start. I have a bunch of ideas, and your channel pumps me up and gives me hope. That's great, Christina. That's fantastic. I really like it. A lot of our new students, they're, um, they're really – they're really obsessed with one idea, which is perfectly fine. But they're like, oh, yeah, I got other ideas, Andrew. And I love that because I'm like, great. You can get that real life experience with that one idea and then you can move on to others. Um, but when people are like, hey, I, I got 10 ideas or five ideas or I have 100 ideas. I'm like, well, let's whittle it down to five. Um, just and I'm open to working on any of these. I love that. And this is what our coaches do. Will be they'll be like, well, here are the upsides and downsides. Number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. Now, sometimes they're like, I don't have all the upsides and down. And number four, here's where you need to go find the information, and we'll go, we'll figure it out together. So it's a great learning experience when you can learn what is licensable. And there'll be some products that are more licensable than others for different reasons. And if you haven't been doing this for a long time, you don't know those reasons. You don't understand those reasons, but it doesn't it doesn't sink in any better the most amazing situation was an inventor has their own product and they're going over let's say three or four products and they're showing the upsides and downsides and the coach is explaining why this one's going to be harder this one's going to be easier this one has tremendous potential but going to be harder this one number two oh my god that has just as much potential as this one but it's way it's going to be a really easy not i'm not saying you're going to license it necessarily but easy, really easy to work on or you have a higher likelihood of success when you can do that with real life products it's amazing it's so amazing and sometimes we don't get to that with a student until like their second product and i find that our students our clients they get a lot more business-like about things with their second or third product a little less emotional more business-like not my baby. I'll work on any of these. Just tell me what's more likely to license. When people are new, they kind of fall in love with a particular idea, which is perfectly fine because um, as long as it makes sense and it can have good marketing, it has potential licensees and all that, and you're going to learn how to license with that first one. you know. And so if you don't license with that product, you don't throw it in the garbage can. If people didn't give you specific reasons why not, you just put it on the shelf. If you couldn't, and you work on another project, you can pull it off the shelf. To give you specific reasons why not like if three companies go well here's the reasons why this won't work and you're like holy crap i didn't think of that and you can't fix it well then you're done with that project right but we help people do kind of a a preemptive look at all of that so that doesn't happen as often but there are things that can come up you know um all right so let's see what else we got here uh G said if applied for a european utility patent here in greece can it get rejected from a country and be submitted for example to others and also they told me the cost for the first year is around a thousand euros you, you asked the same question i think last time last week um all our international students we've had students in over 65 countries over time we haven't done a check on that it's probably more now um how many countries are there in the world is it 300 and something i don't know i'm guessing but um all our international students just simply file a U.S. provisional because the I won't get into the weeds, but the U.S. is part of what's called a PCT, Patent Cooperation Treaty. So are many, many, many other countries, European countries and such. So file a provisional for 60 bucks. That gives you the right to later file a PCT and later file a patent when necessary. So um, and it gives you a whole year. You know, but the thing is, people get excited about the provisional and they file it and they sit on their hands and the time runs out. And yeah, the time can run out. If you haven't made public disclosure, you can just file it again. You get another year. It doesn't continue the year. starts a new year. But what's the point of filing provisionals if you don't know how to reach out? So people get all excited. Oh, I'm going to get your smart IP software, Andrew, on your website and file a provisional. I'm like, 
great, that's fantastic. What's your plan with reaching out? And they don't have an answer for me. I'm like, do you understand how to reach out? Do you have a sell sheet? No. Do you have a list of companies? No. I'm like, why are you filing a provisional now? Why don't you file it like the week before you're ready to reach out? Why don't you do all your research? You know, oh, but I want a feeling of being protected. Oh, okay, it's only 60 bucks. Go ahead and do that. But you better educate yourself because that year is going to start ticking. And don't be fooled by attorneys that tell you, oh, you lose your priority date and they're trying to get you for 10 grand. You lost it. You lost it because you hit that year. Now, if you had to make public disclosure, you can file it again. But you'll lose that priority date. But to me, that's not worth spending $10,000. You don't even know if there's any interest yet. If you haven't done anything with it the whole year. You know, So that's another big mistake inventors inventors make just a false sense of moving forward by filing patents i don't care if it's a 60 dollars provisional or a full utility patent if it makes you feel good i think that's great with 60 dollars, no problem if it makes you feel good for ten thousand dollars you shouldn't be feeling good because <laughs> that's it's a it's an unnecessary um action and again, everything I share with you today should not be considered legal advice. Please consult your attorney if you're looking for legal advice. I'm talking from a business perspective. Um, uh, Roger said, is it possible to complete step 10 in the program and license a product in a year? Absolutely it is. Um, absolutely. And and we have people that license stuff very early on. And we have people that, you know, they work on their second or third product and they license there. And like I said, when you don't license a product, you don't have to put it in the garbage can. You can put it on the shelf, come back to it. I talked to a woman today that she's like, well, if I don't license my product, I'm just going to try to sell it myself, right? And I'm like, why? I'm like, so you're going to quit your day job? You're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to launch a product? Retailers don't like you because you're a one product company. They see you don't know what you're doing. You're going to do all that just because you couldn't license the product. Why don't you work on licensing another product? Put that product you couldn't license on the shelf. Re-reach out eight months later if people didn't tell you specifically why not, maybe that would be a better approach. She's like, oh, okay. So it was like a brain fart for her, you know? Um, uh, da, da, da. Huh. Margie said, should I address people when I email as Mr. or Mrs. and use their first names? Um, I always just use the first name. I think it sounds kind of spammy and stuff, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So you know what really bothers me? It's just a cultural thing. It, it bothers me. I think it's some Asian cultures, like they call me Mr. Andrew. And and I, I usually correct them and I'm like, uh, no, you, there's no Mr. Andrew. My last name's Krause, so I'm Mr. Krause. I'm not Mr. Andrew. And I just kind of got to a point where I'm like, this is a cultural difference. Um, and if I, but if I was doing business in China or in Asia, I would address them with their way of doing business. And so when people in Asian countries say Mr. in your first name, I'm like, you understand how we do business in the U.S.? That's not what you say. That's not properly addressing people. But anyway, that's just a side little pet peeve of mine. I'm not Mr. Andrew. I'm Mr. Krauss or I'm Andrew. It's okay to use my first name. It's not too informal. And I think they're, anyway, they're, it's like, I think in some Asian cultures, they're trying to be formal, but personal at the same time. I, if any of you are more familiar with Asian culture than myself on why they do that, let me know. It'd be very interesting. But to me, to say Mr. Crowd, it sounds like a spammer. It sounds like really cheesy. Um, that's my own personal bias. I'd say a first name is fine. Bob, Sally whatever. I don't think it makes that much of a difference, but I would say, hi, Bob, or hello, Bob, or hello, Sally. I think that is more uh, the culture in the United States for the for the most part. And hey, if you're addressing <laughs> Kai in Asia, then say Mr. in the first name. No, just kidding. Don't do that. That's not appropriate, in my opinion. But, um, uh, you know, Willetta asked a question that we get asked sometimes. Willetta said, and I'm going to give the same answer I always give. Can I hire your negotiator a la carte without signing up for the whole package? Yes, you can. And nobody ever does because they never get interest on their own. So all the time I talk to people and they're like, you know, I see your coaching program, but I'll call you when I get interest. And I never hear from them because they don't know how to get interest because their sell sheet sucks because they're not reaching out the right way. They're not reaching out enough. Their list of companies is wrong. 
they're doing they're not doing communication properly with the companies and they don't get to interest you know so yes you can do that but you're going to be hurting yourself because if you don't know how to reach out you're just not going to get interest you need when you have a coach guiding you along every single week and and you know it's really common for our students to go oh you know i I, you know, I got 15 no's on this. I think I'm going to move on to the next one. The coach is like, what are you talking about? You filed a PPA, you did a sell sheet, you did a list of companies. You got 30 people on your list. You got 15 no's. What, you're not giving up now. You know, oh, but that one guy, you mailed him four times. I'm like, I don't care. You're not done until you get a no from everybody. That's why when you go to InventRight and you click on inventions for sale, our students are licensing stuff all the time. We teach you to be persistent. People don't seem to be able to do that on their own. And when they do it, they do it the wrong way. They're too pushy. They don't keep following up. So we'll let a yes, you can hire us to new, do negotiations, but you probably already messed it up by that point. You probably already said the wrong things. You, the negotiation starts, as our other co-founder says, long before you got that interest. Um, and you probably won't get that interest. And I can tell you, people say that. To, well, I'll sign up because I know I need you guys for negotiations, but I don't need, well, you know, they're, they're, most people are not doing the sell sheet right. They're not doing the email right. They're not do reaching doing the outreach right. They're not reaching out to the right companies in the right way. And they won't get the interest. And they're making assumptions like, oh, this licensing thing doesn't work. Well, they're not doing it right. But yes, you can hire us a la carte to do that. But I mean, it's been 23 years over and over and over. I don't see people coming back with that. But our students... They're getting guidance to get to the negotiation, doing deals all the freaking time. Um, uh, Robert said, I have a dental water floss accessory and can't get a hold of these people. No response. Yeah, we can we can help. So, Robert, you could you could go into the twenty nine dollar a month program with the link in the in the chat that I put and kind of like, go, what am I doing wrong? And you can get yourself a little bit more on track, maybe. But it's still not somebody looking at these responses or the non-responses are looking at what you're doing and how you're doing it and, and, and guiding you. Um, yeah, Andrew said, uh, I'm having the same issue. I'm not get, I'm I'm getting a few LinkedIn connections, but no response to my messages. Yeah, what are you sending? You know, and what shouldn't you not be sending? Um, I tell you, I get emails all the time from inventors. They write a freaking book. I'm like, and, and I'm nice because we coach inventors, but I feel like, and I've done it a couple times. I'm like, what are you thinking? Have you been watching us? Don't ever send that to anybody. Nobody has time for that. You know, and when you send something to a company, they need to get it in six seconds. You have to ask permission and they need to get it in six seconds. They need to be half brain dead and they're going to look at your marketing and go, I get it. They may or may not be interested, but um, they're they're probably picking up on you guys, Andrew and Willetta, as putting you in the amateur camp. Oh, these people don't know what they're doing. Where they see InventRight students over and over again, companies tell us because we bring we ask some of these companies to come on. Wow, I love getting stuff from them because they don't waste my time. But I've I've talked to I talked to a company at SuperZoo. Stephen and myself are both there. And uh, they said, we don't do ideas from outside inventors. We get too much crap. Um, you know, and then I talked to other companies that are like, I love InventRight students. I know an InventRight student sell sheet the second I see it. They're not rambling. Direct presentation. I love it. I'll take ideas from InventRight students all day long. So when you're conducting yourself professionally, and I don't know what will add any, Andrew, what you're sending. You might, everything you send might be perfect. But when I see from stuff from people outside of InventRight, it's almost never, 95% of the time, not good enough. And then there's other places to fall down. If I look at an email, I'm like, you really said that? And then the way they're reaching out on LinkedIn and all these things. Now, even when you do all this stuff right, you quite often don't get a response. So then people, you know, when, when we get on our, our smart pitch sessions with our students, which Benjamin, which we're talking about reaching out on LinkedIn and other outreach, um, we'll get people going, Hey, I, I reached out to 15 companies crickets. And then two weeks later, they're back. We give them some tips and they're back on there. Like, I got an eight companies. Now I try this. I try that. It's, it's knowing how to be persistent, a persistent, polite pest, but in a way that's appropriate. And, um, 
you know, LinkedIn isn't your only outreach. It's LinkedIn, email, phone. If you're not using all of those, you're not doing it right. Uh, okay. Uh, Corey said, should inventors think about the cost of things when they don't have it? Hell yeah, you should. I mean, we the whole InventRight approach is doing things on a budget. If you spend 10000 on a patent, 5000 on a prototype every time you come up with an idea, most people that have money can't afford that. They're like, I'm not going to do that very long, and they're going to quit. If you spend 60 bucks on a provisional patent, a few bucks on a virtual prototype and a sell sheet, you can be in this game for very little. So there's there's no need. Now, there are some projects where you do need to spend some money. You do need to make some sort of, even if it's a hack together, working prototypes. I'm not saying you never do. But the vast majority of the time, you don't need to do as much as you think you did. And people get a false sense of moving forward. So, but no, if you don't have that sort of guidance, you don't know when and how to do that, you know? Um, so you should be thinking about these costs. And the, the whole approach with InventRight is you'll always have the financial bandwidth to move on the next idea. The next idea, you can work on limited projects. Now, Corey, you may come across a project, like if you had a coach, and they might be like, you know, this one, you really do need to make a prototype. You can't get away with a virtual prototype. You really do need to prove it out. And if you're an idea person and you can show you how to come up with more ideas, you might actually, and this is very hard for inventors to do, I love this idea, but I got these other ideas. All I need to do is a virtual prototype. I'm going to put this one on the shelf for now. I'm going to work on these where I could spend a few bucks on a virtual prototype. And it's just as much potential as this other one, but I, I'm not going to have to spend thousands of dollars on a prototype. So if you, Corey, if you're really on a budget and you're willing to move on and evaluate ideas and work on the ones that are you can do cost effectively, you can do this the rest of your life and you can spend very little money. But if every time you blow huge amounts of money, you, you know, your spouse or yourself or whoever is going to go, what you doing? You know, what are you doing here? People and, you know, today our theme is if I could get a few more thumbs up, that would be great. I see most of you have given me a thumbs up, but I'd appreciate that. Um, today is in, in mistakes inventors make. And I, I think that people get a false sense of moving forward by spending money. That is a that is. So we. You guys don't see this. We see trends over decades we've been doing this, mistakes inventor makes. So we, we can get you in the right mindset to go, here's the mistakes we've seen inventors making for decades. That's invaluable. And one of the biggest things is people get a false sense of moving forward by spending money on patents and prototypes. And we get people that say, oh, I'm really far along. And we're like, I'm like, what did you do? Or Sylvia or Dana, um, who are salespeople or Steven talks to somebody and they're like, well, I filed a patent and made a prototype. I'm like, that's not really far along. That's like in, you know, if you, if you spend 10,000 on a patent, it was a mistake. Now, if you spent 16 on a pro virtual, uh, uh, sorry, a provisional patent, great. Um, and if you just, you know, cobbled together something you bought at the store, great. If you spent 5,000 on a prototype, not so great. Now, again, there's always exceptions. Um, but people really feel like, no, I'm really accomplished. I really did things, you know? And it's like, no, you did like, you did like 15% of it, 20% of it. You got to reach out. You got to make a sell sheet. You got to file your PPA if you didn't file it. And you, that's the vast majority of inventing. The idea and making a prototype or filing a patent is a very small part of it. But all this other stuff isn't rocket science, but if you have a mindset, I did so much, your mindset's wrong and you're hurting yourself because you're not preparing yourself for the work ahead. And when I say the work ahead, I mean, I'm talking about you spending two to six hours a week every week. It could be as little as two hours, but every single week you do it and you plot along before you know it, you're in front of companies. Our students do it all the time when they have guidance from a coach. Um, they do it all the time. But you got to be in that mindset. If you're in the mindset, I'm really far ahead. I did all the hard work and it's not true at all. You're going to sabotage your efforts. You're not going to reach out to that company you love so much six, seven times. You're not going to, you know, spend the time to learn how to reach out to them. You're not going to do the right things. And so one of the biggest mistakes inventors make is mindset. And we keep inventors in a certain mindset. 
and they're doing it while they're working on their projects in the context of their project and we're brainwashing them to have this mindset which is a professional mindset not an amateur mindset saying you did a pad and a prototype and you you're really far along is pure purely 100% an amateur mindset you haven't called any companies you don't have your marketing materials you haven't done your research properly you haven't done a bunch of other stuff that's an amateur mindset saying well i did those things and not saying i'm really far along then you're 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 not an amateur you're just like well i did these things but this perception that you're so far along because you did those things is an amateur mindset so um so hopefully these things are helpful so the biggest takeaway our theme today is in, in mistakes inventors make is a wrong mindset I know at InventRight, we have a very particular mindset, but it's it's been proven to work over decades that the mindset we put inventors in with licensing saves them money, doesn't, you're not compromising anything by saving money. We're not teaching you to be so cheap that you're gonna compromise your chances for success. No, no, no. But that you're doing everything right. You've got the right mindset. You're willing to do the work, you know? Um, that's the but that the wrong mindset is the biggest mistake inventors make and if you follow us you'll start to get the mindset so you might jump into that 29 dollars a month program i put the link in the chat let me see i'll put that there again um that might help get you a little bit more in the right mindset is it one-on-one -on -one coaching no is it group coaching no but can it give you some guidance and get you in the right mindset yes you know, it's all broken out into 10 steps. So I would I would definitely check that out. Um, and also check out our, our, our coaching program. You know, it's, you know, when you look at all our students that have licensed products, they're, they're they all got personal one-on-one -on -one coaching, you know, and you could just see a few of them if you go to InventRight and you click on, um, here, I'll put the link on the page, the direct link. Um, this in I'm really proud of this Inventions for Sale page. You can buy all these students' products on the market right now in this particular moment. So that's fun. Oh, and also um, you can win their products. So every week we just start a new week. Um, you can go on that link that I just sent. You can see our students that have licensed these products and you enter the raffle at the top. You got a page down to see all the products and we're doing a giveaway. We're giving away three of their products every week for the entire month of April. And you can keep entering every month. And so make sure to do that. And then we'll just order it on Amazon and have it shipped to you directly. Okay. So make sure to make sure to check that out too. I almost forgot to say that because that's really cool. You can win one of their products. Um, that's fun and it supports the inventor. And um, I think that's great. Um, so guys, I'm going to jump off. I really enjoyed today. I always enjoy doing these. Um, don't forget to subscribe down below if you like these chats and um, give, give me a thumbs up on the videos you watch. If you don't like a video, give it a thumbs down, that's fine too. And you know, comment on some of the videos, that's great. That'll help the algorithm, YouTube algorithm, help the channel. Um, we've gotten a lot of videos, so check those out. We try to do a lot of free education for folks, so I hope you guys appreciate that. And I'll remind you guys, take care and keep inventing. I'll catch you the next time. See ya, bye.